Well, Seth, would you like to do the intro? What intro? What's up, guys? This is Seth from Becoming the Archetype, and you're listening to the Kingdom Core podcast, and this is Becoming the Archetype, plugging our new album, Children of the Great Extinction, out in August 26th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Kingdom Core podcast. It's your host, Sean. I got Chris with me. What's up? And we just got done interviewing um, Seth and Jason from Becoming the Archetype. Um, we're really excited to have them on the show. Uh, they just recently got back together after about a 10-year hiatus. Uh, Jason has been out of the band 11, 12, 13 years around there. And uh, 11 years. We had a great yeah. conversation. 11 years. Yeah, Chris, what did we talk about? Well, we talked about the new album, Children of the Great Extinction, releasing on August 26th is what we Yes, right. On Solid State Records. On Solid State Records, they got uh, the old school logo coming back. Some sick artwork. Great album overall. We've gotten to hear it, and uh, we talk a little bit about pretty amazing that without any spoilers uh, for those of you Mm -hmm. who really care. (laughs) There's definitely a really cool concept throughout the album that you'll want to hear the whole thing straight through, and then some really funny old school tour stories. Uh, the origins of the band getting signed to Solid State, and a lot of cool other things. And the story of how they got back together as well. Yes. So, um, yeah, it, it was a really awesome conversation. This um, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while, even though they just announced they're back together like a month ago. But, um, yeah, real quick before hilarious. we get into it, it was hilarious. Jason and is hilarious as well as Seth. Um, Real quick, before we get into the interview, I just wanted to let you guys know that this will probably be the last episode for a good three, four, five weeks, maybe. Uh, my wife and I were in the middle of a move um, at the time of this recording. Uh, at the time of this coming out, we will probably be a week or two out from moving across the country from Southern California to um, to suburbia, Indiana. And um, I just want to thank you guys for your patience. Um, we're, I'm going to have a whole new setup there. I I'll have an entire room just to dedicate to the podcast. So I will have like a new background and everything, but uh, thank you guys for all your support and for your guys' patience uh, as we, uh, as we try to get some more episodes out um, after my move is completed. Also congrats, Sean, 20 episodes, one year. This is like our one year yes, celebration. 20th episode. I know it is like our one year. <laughs> It's That's crazy true. that it's gone by so Why fast. Why are you congratulating me? You're just as much part of it as I am. Congrats. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it's been uh, quite the journey. Many hours of ridiculous, mm-hmm. Chris ridiculous shenanigans. But put like 100 hours into editing over the course of like 20 episodes. Maybe like, like 80 that. to 100, probably. It was worth it, though. Yeah. It's all worth it. I think we'll look back on this yes. whenever we end. This will. This might be the end of it. Mm. You, know, you never know. We might not come back. All right. Yeah. <laughs> never know. But, all right. Uh, let's listen to... <laughs> with that, to here's interview. our interview with Becoming the Archetype. Welcome back, guys. It's, uh, it's good to have you Yo! on here. Uh, would you guys mind introducing yourselves real quick for those listening? Uh, 
I'm Seth. I play guitar, keyboard, and do some do some of the singing. Yep. I am Jason, and I do the vocals, the screaming, and some of the singing, and the bass guitar. And uh, <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> do people still call it a bass guitar? I don't know why that was funny, but yeah. I- you're also the first ever repeat. You are, guest yeah, that's on true. Our podcast. Listen, I it's truly an you honor. guys. You guys can't afford me. We can't. We really can't. Um, yeah, we spend all our money on this yeah. software that doesn't work. We we spend all our Patreon money <laughs> on Jason. <laughs> he charges by that's, the hour. I, got, I took I took all the money you sent me, and I bought this case of knives. There you go. <laughs> it's great. And now he's going to try to sell them to us. And we didn't even get any BTA merch. Seth has all that. Yeah, I have all the BTA <laughs> merch. Sorry, guys. Well, I guess we got to pay Seth then. Yes. Yep. Much money. We only paid Jason for this. <laughs> $20,000 money. <laughs> <laughs> it was a steep price to pay, but it was worth it. We took out a loan. Of course. Definitely. <laughs> We'll rename it the Jason Wisdom Podcast. Oh wait, didn't you already do that? No. Didn't you do some some podcasting? I tried. I tried. I tried. <laughs> I tried. Oh, but I I have very bad news for you. It turns out that if if you make Seth a guest on your podcast, your podcast will quickly end after that. Right. Yeah. You, wait. Did you have the one episode? That's what happened to mine. Oh yeah. <laughs> the feedback was that bad, huh? No. This is the end of our podcast, Sunshine. No. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. So, end of good ride. Okay, so when does so when does this podcast start? We're, We're in, in it. it. Oh. My bad. Five minutes ago, dog. That, that's not a good sign, Chris, if the guest doesn't even know that we've started the interview. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's two that's two, that's in, two a in a row that don't, don't know, know when it started, and they're both sci fi themed metal albums. That's albums. true, yeah. That we're talking Maybe about. our conversation like, awesome. is uh, just that natural. I, I, I like to look at it like that. I like it. Or maybe everyone you're interviewing is a giant nerd and we don't pick up social cues. Probably it. But at the same time, I don't pick up social cues either. So. Okay. We'll just, we'll just sit here in silence, all four of us, for like an hour. <laughs> that could be a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> First person to laugh. It'd be me. I'm already laughing. <laughs> Jason is stone face. Oh, Seth's got a good uh, deadpan too. Wait, are we actually doing this? I, I don't. They're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> People listening have no clue that they're still here. This is why you go to YouTube.com/slash For the Rock and you watch the video version of the exactly. podcast. Great. So you can see people doing ridiculous see, so so youtube.com slash is kind of like bass guitar. It feels like the, you know, when you were in high school and your friend started his own website, and he's like, what you do is you go to HTTP semicolon backslash backslash www dot blogspace <laughs> dot Chris Jenkins or whatever his name was dot geocities dot com slash you know and then he gave you like eight thousand letters after that. Yeah. This is what it feels yeah. like. Bass guitar yeah. youtube.com slash anyway. we also have a link tree. A guitar player would say that, which which is why <laughs> I started a band without 
one yeah. when I quit this band. As <laughs> revenge. <that> going, <laughs> as revenge against all guitar players who think that the bass is not a guitar. And they're right, but yeah. And then you just add distortion on it and make it sound like a, a low tune yeah. guitar. Who needs guitars? Yeah, that's like to me, that's like, when, I, I'm totally kidding here, but that's like when vegans try to make like meat dishes out of veggies. It's like, why not just eat the meat? You know, like, why are you trying to make it taste like what it's not? You know? Careful. All right, Mr. I, I, I'm, to- Careful. I, I'm totally curious. <laughs> Careful. I love you, Jason. <laughs> you know that. Careful. There's a. There's a Canadian and a Democrat socialist on this call. That's true. <laughs> so you need to be very careful about your comments with regards to vegans. I am not a vegan for all, uh, just to clear the air. Yeah, it's not Seth. He's not the vegan. But I know plenty. Or of the Canadian. Are. Or the Canadian. <laughs> I'm the Christian. But he is. He's, I'm he's the something. Christian. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's great. I think we are, right. right? Yeah. Um, I saw the Lamb's Book of Life, and I got some news for you guys. <laughs> Oof, that's it's bad news. Yikes! It's like a really, really bad movie. <laughs> like it's like the Christian version of the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. It sounds like a Christian horror. It's made by yeah, Carmen. It sounds terrible. <laughs> no, it's, it's Carmen called, did the it's soundtrack. It's Champion by Carmen, <laughs> and he gets a sneak peek at the Lamb's Book of Life. And then I think I saw it in the theaters. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw the Champion in theaters. Oh, I'm pretty sure I did too. Yeah, man. We were we probably saw it together. Uh, no, we didn't see it. All right. Okay, so well, <laughs> let's talk let's, about music. let's get into becoming the archetype. <laughs> So again, welcome back to the not death guys. therapy. We're not talking about yeah, that. not death therapy. No, um, it is great to have you guys back. Um, I am absolutely ecstatic. Um, honestly, when you guys posted the teaser that you guys were back, um, I couldn't believe it. I was freaking out. Um, I've mm. been a big becoming the archetype fan. I'm pretty sure years. I told you we were coming back like a yeah, year ago. Yeah, you did. Like on on our podcast, you said you were working. Shining, on something. you didn't tell me. Yeah, friends off. <laughs> okay, Chris, right? When Chris edits this, he's going to put in the clip from your episode where you said you're working on something right now that you can't tell us about. And I was like, is it what I think it is? And you stone cold said, no, it's not. And I, I believe <laughs> I, wanted you. I wanted to, go back to and believe you because I trusted it. you, Jason. I trusted you. I'm pretty sure Seth and I both, I'm pretty sure Seth and I both over the last year or two were not very good at hiding the you ball. Really, yeah, it, it's but true. But I don't think anyone was, I don't think anyone actually expected it. So somehow we got away with it. Mm-hmm. I, and I mean, you're just so, such a natural troll that I thought you were just trolling the whole time. That's true. <laughs> My wife says the same. <laughs> when you, when such you a natural it, it troll. Like two days later, all of a sudden, it was like official. Like, I know, right? That was, yeah. The, that was the fastest tease ever. It really was. I thank you for that. It got really difficult there for us. You posted it, and I like posted it to the labeled group or something, and you said, that mm-hmm. that egg-shaped head looks familiar or something like that. No less than like 30 <laughs> minutes after you guys posted it. And I'm like, they don't care about right. mysticism at all. <laughs> no. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, it got really difficult for us, I think, like because... 
So this is actually maybe something that's pertinent that people would listen to on a podcast. Um, unlike everything else so far that we've talked about. Um, uh, so, so we, uh, we recorded the record in 2021 primarily and we're done largely done with it by September. Um, Oh, wow. I mean, the music was done by like July or August, largely not all, not every little piece, but the drums were done and the guitars were more or less done. And I did the vocals in September so by the time we got to, you know, a few weeks ago, I think we had we had held it in for as long as we could. So by the time the news was news, we were ready to talk about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. And then a yep. nice short release date. I know the that, shortest I've ever heard. Of. I was so and... thrilled. I thought it was just going to be like a single right away. And it's like, yeah, we're working on some stuff. But we don't know what yet, like, because a lot of bands when they come out of got another year away or off of hiatus, yeah, they're just like, we're just gonna maybe play some shows, write some music, but we have no like long term plans right now. But we're no longer retired, and yeah, I was thrilled. Mm-hmm. Um, but Seth, I what? wanted to ask you um, real quick, uh, could you fill in like the timeline between the last ten years leading up until now, and then? Sure. Um, if you guys could talk about like what was the defining moment when you guys knew like we need to get back together or we are getting back together yeah so uh let's see the end of uh jason and duck both left uh right around the time celestial completion came out so early 2011 mm-hmm. and then uh daniel and i wondered what what we should do and we decided to keep going and and we had chris mccain join the band who on vocals but then after a while he couldn't tour anymore um, and it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, uh, you know, if we can't tour anymore, then there's probably not a whole lot we can do. So this is summer 2013 and we didn't really want to try yet another vocalist. So that's when we went on uh, sort of indefinite hiatus, but no big announcement, no farewell thing, just sort of like, well, we're just not able to do anything right now. And who knows how long that's going to last. Mm-hmm. Um, and it only took about really like two years before at least uh, Jason and I started talking a little bit again, and it was very preliminary sort of stuff, but uh, we started discussing the possibility of doing a new album, but it was just hard to figure out the logistics of like who would be involved and how we'd go about the writing process and how we'd even pull something like that off. Um, So it kind of kept getting put on hold because we've always been a four-member band in the past. So we figured, Mm -hmm. okay, Jason, Seth, Duck, but then who's going to be our other guitarist to kind of do some of the solos and write some of the material, yada, yada. And we kept going back to our other people, but like, uh, you know, Daniel was our most recent one and he never officially left the band, but he was in fit for a King by that point. So it was kind of like, mm-hmm. he's busy, you know, with, with much, uh, with much larger things. So, um, so we kind of worked through tons of things. It's funny. You guys mentioned the single idea because we had discussed that we thought, well, Maybe if we just try to do one song for now between the three of us and then see how that reception goes. And if it goes well, we lock in another guitarist to do, uh, you know, a full length album. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it sort of just got prolonged and dragged out for a long time until it was 2020, right before the pandemic, that we finally had some songs and... Uh, we had been emailing each other back and forth. And so I, I live in Wisconsin now. So I flew down to Georgia 
to meet with Jason and Duck and our producer, Nate, and we started working on songs. But then, as you know, the pandemic hit, so that put everything on hold for a while. So you guys could have had the album a year ago if that hadn't been for, for you know. Dang it, COVID. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, right? <laughs> and that's Nate Washburn, but, uh, right? Yeah, Nate Washburn, right? Yes. Nathaniel okay. P. Washburn III. Is he an official member now? or No, he's not an official member. He, like, tracked some of it. Yeah, he so he kind of functioned as that other guitarist for us and as the producer. Um, but he's not an official member, although who knows, eventually he may become one. But um, he uh, he really was instrumental in helping to sort of fill cool. the, some of parts of that role, you know, of, of that other guitarist. And um, really did a yeah. wonderful job on both roles with guitar and with um, with production. So uh, a lot of credit yeah. goes to him. If you like the album, he is probably mm -hmm. the chief person to thank for that. It sounds great. It does sound really good. I can say that much. Yeah. Without well, going into spoilers. Congrats. Congrats to Nate. Congrats, uh, Nate. I mean, yeah. So one of the cool things about working with Nate is that Nate and I had worked together on the uh, latest Death Therapy record. We actually worked together on the second Death Therapy record a little bit. And so um, by the time we got around to the, um, you know, doing the BTA album, I feel like we he and I had sort of like a, like a mind meld. Like we kind of knew what we wanted it to be. And I pretty well know what Seth likes and like, cause we've known each other with music for forever at this point. And duck I've been playing music with duck in his basement since he was, we were in high school together. So it was pretty easy to take the mindset and sort of like relay everything to Nate. Um, so I was sort of like the, the connection point sets up in Wisconsin and he came down, but duck is working, doing construction stuff um, all the time and not, not, you know, not super available. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Nate has a lot to do with the the fact that this actually happened, you know, that somebody was able to sort of stand up and be like, yeah, cool. Well, I'll, I'll pull this together and help you guys, you know, make it all happen. So, yeah. uh, but Seth and Seth and, uh, and Nate really kind of kicked everything off, you know, just writing riffs because this is a riffs band. It always has been a riffs band. Mm -hmm. So, uh, hoping that the riff is coming back into popularity now with uh, Eddie Munson and things like that taking oh, off, yeah. you know. So yeah. I, I wanted to ask we're here for instead it. of oh god instead of just the chugs yeah instead yeah. of just the chugs. <laughs> yeah. Um So did you guys already have like an ag an agreement set up with like Solid State where if you guys were to ever like get back together? Um, you guys could release it on solid state or like, how did that happen again? No, you have to go back and beg. Them. No, we, our so, lawyer will have to fill you in on that. <laughs> we, we debated, <laughs> we debated heavily whether, whether that made the most sense at this point, you know, uh, mm -hmm. being friends, you know, Jason and I are friends with five iron frenzy, <laughs> some of those bands that have like done the, you know, the sort of the Kickstarter route or crowdfunding mm -hmm. that really seemed appealing. And we, I was leaning that way. Um, and we debated that for quite a while as well. Um, and, and when we asked the label about, uh, what they would be interested in, they showed interest in, in, having us uh, on the label, but it would be a, a new contract. And so we had to kind of work through lots of details with them about how that would work and what that arrangement would be like. Um, and it was, uh, man, there's just Boring. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of things that go into that, that sort of stuff, you know, with uh, figuring out uh, 
does working with label add legitimacy to your project right. and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So um, I guess solid, well, solid states, solid right. states always, yeah, solid states always been a big part of what becoming an archetype is because when we came around in, you know, 2004, the very first tour we were able to do was a tour that solid state helped get us, you know, get us on. Mm -hmm. And um, with another band who actually, it's so funny to think that, you know, we did a, the first tour with showbread and showbread only did one record on solid state. And then they became a tooth and nail band. Um, mm. But, you know, Ryan Clark from demon hunter sort of discovered becoming the archetype and he was working at the label. And so was John Dunn mm. who plays bass in demon hunter. So, you know, and Ryan's instrumental in the, so many things like our logo, which we right. brought back for this record. The original, he drew that if you didn't know with his, Oh wow! With his hand. With his hand. Yeah, the original term. I don't know, of I don't know if, if kids. Yeah, I think he drew it on uh, he, on, he on something called pa his, paper. He drew that with his mouth. <laughs> yeah, Johnny <laughs> Erickson taught us style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With his foot. I'm oh lord! <laughs> no, that's there wasn't TikTok back then, so he he wouldn't get any clicks for that. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it was a hand drawn logo, and he hooked us up with. Dan Seagrave, who, you know, painted the first album and painted this mm -hmm. new album cover. I guess what I'm saying is, like, so much of what Becoming the Archetype is um, came from that connection yeah. to Solid State. Um, Got it. And so, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's cool. It's cool to be working with them again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. That's awesome. It's the BTA reboot. So you guys got at least another four albums coming after this before you quit. Again, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Jason will start another bass only band. He'll kick the yeah. other Jason, Jason, no, working on only that's not time. even next band. Is, <laughs> next band is just going to be me with a microphone. Like it's just no reason to even try to have instruments. That's there's, your TikTok. There's account. a new VST that I. <laughs> yeah, that's my I, TikTok. I, I saw ads for a new like VST plugin that's like. It's a vocoder essentially, but you can turn like you just record stuff with your mouth, and then it like you can just make any other sound out of it. So like you can make full songs out of just sounds from. Music. So you could he's do gonna it. do the first ever like. I mean, you wouldn't even need that. Band. You would just. Yeah, <laughs> Jason. There you go. That's your, your big twenty million Spotify listeners. Go on America's Got yeah. Talent. Give them a sob a sob story. You'll get the golden buzzer. <laughs> Man, man you know, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. go ahead, Seth. Man, I'll tell you, it's, it's, you know, part of coming back now is weird. So I, I was, I never left the band. So I was in the band during that whole hiatus, mm -hmm. but Jason was actually active in the music scene. So when we started doing this album, like, you know, I could, I could acknowledge them like him right off the bat, you know, uh, you know, when I was mm -hmm. last in the scene, you know, this is what was normal for first week album sales, yada, yada, yada. This is how this worked. This is how that worked. And so he's trying to cue me in on like, okay, because Spotify was there when I when when we like did I am and social completion, but it wasn't like the thing. And now it is kind of right. the thing as far as online uh, music. And so, you know, he's talking about this. And so like I'm starting to go around and do my research. And so I'm, I'm driving around the other night listening to local like indie music, like this station that's like this independent uh, listener sponsored station that plays like obscure bands. And they play this like shoegaze band that I think is really cool. So I'm like, trying to like jot down a note on my phone as I'm driving, like what the name of the band is. And it's like, okay, Beach House. So I go look up Beach House and they have a song 
that has 740 million plays. And here I thought they were like a no name that no one had ever heard of that was only played on like indie radio, mm-hmm. you know? And I just think, mm-hmm. okay, I have no clue like who is what and what's going on here. Like, I, I really like it's not just that I'm old, it's that like I, I don't, I'm still like sort of getting acclimated to this whole thing. So, so that's, I, you know, the, the yeah. Spotify thing is just kind of fascinating to me. And I'm still trying to, you know, wrap my head around how much it's a central part of uh, band's connection with their fans now. Do you guys know your Spotify numbers offhand? Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do have a song that's kind of high. It's, uh, I, like Seth, I like how Seth, Seth is like, it's how, gr- no, it's, it's like, how great that oh, there's was. This one, there's this one band. This one band that nobody's ever heard of, and they've got like 800 million plays on a song. But yeah, let's talk about our Spotify numbers. And, you know, it's like, oh, gosh, no, let's not do that. But I will say, I will say, I, Nate Nate, and I actually have had lots of conversations about this, about how I, there's so many bands that like you can't, there's no possible way to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I mean, some of the bands that Nate and I were listening to for influences on the death therapy record, Nate would play for me. And it was, I had the same experience, experience set it where I'm like, okay, hold on. This band has 2 million monthly listeners on Spotify. I, who is this man? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And then I turn around, I turn around and I, in Atlanta and they're headlining some, you know, shaky knees festival or something with like 50,000 <laughs> people in the, in the park in Atlanta. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. So um, on the one hand, it's very humbling when you don't have the big numbers, because you think, man, anybody can get huge numbers. But on the other hand, it's, I think it's really encouraging in some ways, because when we were in Becoming Archetype before, there wasn't really any avenue for us to get on radio play other than occasionally like a satellite radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, now people can make playlists and add us to them. Um, and, there's chances that our music will reach people out there that, you know, never would have if they didn't. Now, of course, the scene was different in, uh, you know, in 2004 when we signed with Solid State. It was like, you know, all physical sales, basically. Like, people were, people still cared and kept up with, like, how many CDs you sell. Um, mm. Whereas now people are like, oh, wait, they're going to sell CDs? Yeah. <laughs> so, That's- it's different. Mm-hmm. I just want to give a frame reference. You asked for our, our plays. Our highest song has about 1% of that band I mentioned that I'd never heard of before that I thought was super indie. So, <laughs> Right. And it's off. Yeah, I it's off so, so it turns out, it turns out that that makes us <laughs> one of those even more indie bands that I mentioned earlier that people only really like us because they're trying to get hipster cred. <laughs> <laughs> no one actually likes most, us. They just say they like us. The cool. I listened to Becoming the Archetype before you yeah, did. Right. Yeah. I knew about them 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, totally. Actually, I never got to tell the story when we talked to you last. I don't think. Okay. I'm pretty sure I didn't say anything about Becoming the Archetype when we I tried not to. Last, but <laughs> my my youth old youth pastor in I believe it was 2008 maybe 2009 was uh, I was just getting into rock and he was like metalhead. Legitimately. He was like your guys' number one fan. 
he would not stop talking about you guys, and he kept trying to like push your guys' music on him. Yeah, and I remember the first couple times, I'm just like, "Ew, no, what is this? Like, it's screaming. I don't like it. Like, I could not handle it at the time." But uh, I ended up hearing like your uh, "How Great Thou Art" cover on Dichotomy, mm-hmm. and then that really like, as I was just getting into metal a couple years later, that. I just listened to that a bunch and then I checked out uh, the rest of Dichotomy and then when Celestial Completion came out, listened to that. And so I kind of became a fan of you guys around then. And he, yeah, he was like super mega, super fan of Becoming the Archetype. And now uh, all these years later, you're back. We're talking to you guys and you got a new album come out. So that's and you've circle. And you've heard the new album, life. haven't you? We have. I have. Yes. It's very good. Twice. Twice. Wow. Twice. I don't know that I don't know that I've listened to it twice all the way through. <laughs> I've listened to every song. I've listened to every really? song hundreds of times. But uh yeah. I don't know that I've sat down actually. I need to sit down sometime and listen. Have you done it at least once? Probably. Like just a play. Probably through? when I I don't know. Do bands Seth, not you? listen when, when a band finishes a record? Do they not all like listen to it together for the first time? Like <laughs> no, like, totally not together. Completed? No, because no? because there's okay. like not when there's like a hundred incremental <laughs> steps. I don't think we ever hardly did <laughs> wow. because right. you know you're in the you're 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 riding, so you hear it, you play it through a bunch of times. Then you go in the studio and you hear it a thousand times while you're recording this instrument and then that instrument, and that yeah. instrument. Then you hear like initial mixes at the end of studio time, and you go, "Okay, that sounds okay," and you don't know what you're talking about, you know. And then they send it off to the actual right. mixer, and that guy sends it back, and you go, "Okay, that sounds okay." I think I want myself to be louder because I'm an egomaniac and I want to be louder in the mix, you know. So you you send all those notes, and then Jason you get another impression? mix. <laughs> I think all of us were like that. Honestly. So crank up the bass. <laughs> uh, you know, so, you know, you, you get like, so by the time, it, and then you hear the masters, so then it goes to the mastering and you hear that, you know. So by the time it's that point, you have heard like uh, dozens of iterations of the song and you're just sort of at a loss for like even where it's at at that point, you know, and you're just, you're sick yeah. of hearing it and you, you don't yes. even know what the final product is. And then, and then it comes out and, yeah, and then you're filled with pride. So, yeah, I think. So you got, when you guys hit the road, you're doing a 10 year anniversary tour of I am. And no, they're doing a 15 year dichotomy next year, right? <laughs> that would be the ultimate troll is to tour and just play I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I almost want to do that just to see people's faces. Like we're back, man. We reunited. No, there will be no faces to see after the first night when we will find out. Oh, man, that's a great it's, idea. Because you, you tread them it's off. It's weird, man. You're like, why is no one showing up? Our uh, most popular song's off that album. Yeah. It's, this is the one they want to hear. And so that is a little bit, that is one of the things that is like, Spotify can be a little bit of a smoke and mirrors mm-hmm. game because... You never, you just don't know. I mean, I I've seen bands show up to concerts to play, and they don't play the songs that have the most plays on Spotify, and nobody cares. Nobody even asks for it um, mm-hmm. because that song happened to get more plays just by some random happenstance, and it's not the true fans' favorite 
favorite thing. So like exactly, um, Terminate Damnation is still probably considered a lot of old school BTA fans' favorite record. Um, right. But it was before Spotify. That's the thing. Um, it predates Spotify, so most yeah. of the people that fell in love with it fell in love with it on CD. And then and they have a physical copy that they still right. Mm-hmm. right yeah they they have a version of they have a version yeah. of that album on their iPod one that they still listen to um, yeah or they downloaded it on LimeWire if it was a new band like if you guys reiterate it as a new band and say all your stuff wasn't on Spotify yet and you just like released your old albums as like every couple of years like would it pick up differently oh, for sure. than it did? different I just don't know. I don't, I don't think it would pick up. I, I think, uh, uh, no, I mean, I, I'm I'm so cynical about that, I guess. But like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, there's a, I'll give a shout out to a new band on Solid State. There's a new band on Solid State called Opponent. And uh, I think they have a very similar story to BTA in the sense that they were discovered by Ryan, it seems like, for, from Demon Hunter. And they're actually going out on tour with Demon Hunter uh, this year. And they just put out a new album. And it sounds in a lot of ways like a mix between Living Sacrifice and Demon Hunter. I'm not saying it sounds like BTA. I'm just saying it's it's not dramatically different than what BTA is doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was actually I've been I've been shocked how the response to them seems to just be like, ah, oh, this sounds like Demon Hunter. Okay. And like, and like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I, I think they're good, but I don't know. Is the market looking for like melodic metal at this point? So we, we, BTA was kind of, I think we had to come around when we came around when we sort of filled a little, a little niche where metal core was becoming more of a thing. There were bands that had breakdowns, um, but it wasn't like all breakdowns all the time. I guess, you know, there were some bands that were a little ahead of us on that curve, like, you know, as they lay dying or, you know, whatever. But then a lot of the bands that now are like the giants of metalcore, they, they were just coming around at the same time we were. So like we toured with August Burns Red and we were both the openers. Yeah. Like we were co-openers for yeah. Demon Hunter. We're like Parkway and now Drive. August Burns Red's Parkway getting, Drive no, opened before yeah. us, you know? Yeah, they played before us on a, their first U.S. tour. That's crazy. Um, and now they're selling out like arenas and stuff. So yeah. uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's there are some bands that I see now. We go play uh, play shows, even with Death Therapy, like and these epic metal bands will come out. And I'm just like, dude, this is so cool. And people just, I don't know. It's just different, man. And like you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. Chris mentioned, um that your youth pastor got you into stuff like that was just a different world. Like yeah. youth pastors. I don't know what, I don't know what was in the drinking water at the water cooler for youth pastors in the mid two thousands, but youth pastors were just all like all the people who are now in their mid to late forties, I guess just wanted there to be a scene. We could go play in a basement church in Nebraska somewhere and there'd be 200 people. Yeah. And it was just like, mm-hmm. how yeah, cool was- is that? We, we became, we yeah. we really sort of got our start and became more popular at a little tiny church in Birmingham, Alabama, more than Atlanta. And then when we would come to Atlanta, we would play for more people in the North Georgia mountains than we would in Atlanta. It was just oh, weird. Wow. 
it was just a weird time. Mm. So, yeah, that was a long, long, long way of saying. I think that, like, you know, that's why that's part of why we wanted to make this new record sound like like BTA, but also sound like 2022, and not like we just got cryogenically frozen and you know don't know how to make music. anymore like we didn't want it to sound like a bunch of I, I i don't think we wanted it to sound like a bunch of old guys dusted off their guitars um because we've always been classically trained musicians who valued good music more than whatever's cool um but i think this record has a little bit of a little bit of modern and a little bit of classic in there so yeah i would agree i i def- yeah. my first impression of the of the first single and then as well as the album was that, okay, great. This is exactly what I wanted from BTA. It sounds like their old stuff, but it sounds like they have the same sound as their old stuff does, but it sounds more modernized and what they would sound like if they had never broken up and were still together today. Um, So I think you guys really nailed that. So I wanted to give you guys props on that. Um, And that's, that's one of the hardest challenges, man. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, for sure. That's, that's no, one of the hardest. Right. You can see bands, and I won't mention any bands' names, but you can literally watch bands on social media visibly struggling with: do we keep pressing forward, or do we go back to the sound that people used to love? What do I? Don't, we don't know what to do. Like you, I'm saying, I'm saying other bands. You can see them struggling with this, and so put yourself in our shoes. It's been ten years since we've done a record. <laughs> it's. What are we, what's it going to sound like? And I think at the end of the day, we were sort of set up for success because we don't necessarily care about fitting a particular trend. So we just made the record that we want to hear, you know? Yeah. For well, sure. so we did have a lot of conversation about that. Yeah. As you guys know, you know, with, with five full length albums, each one was, was, I think fairly significantly different, you know, so mm-hmm. something like physics of fire, our second album sounds pretty radically different from, you know, I am or celestial completion. So for sure, we had a lot of conversation about that. We we're very intentional about, okay, which, which sort of version of BTA are we reuniting, you know, and that mm-hmm. resurrection uh, mostly took the form of a, sort of a mixture of, Terminate Damnation and Dichotomy because those were the albums mm. we liked most and those were the albums that we sensed our longtime diehard fans liked the most, regardless of uh, number of Spotify streams. Same here. Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, there you go, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, part of part of Reunion uh, sort of relies on nostalgia, right? So we're, oh, yeah. we understand that to some extent. Um, but we also, like Jason said, you know, if you if you're only relying on nostalgia and you don't uh, make things sound modern and up to date, then I think that fades pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. Nate was really instrumental in helping us to uh, not only have good quality production, but something that sounds like it's not in 2005 or 2008, but is in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that really worked out quite well, I think. But again. It's like I used to say with Dichotomy, you know, uh, people would say, what's your favorite BT album? And I would say Dichotomy. And they'd go, why is that? And I said, it's because it's the best produced. I mean, that, I mean, it's all due to Devin it Townsend. It sounds. Like, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. It holds, I mean, it holds up. Yeah, and so I, I just, you know, I would say it's, 
it's not even like I'm bragging about it because I had very little to do with how good Dichotomy was. Like Devin Townsend deserves like eighty percent of the credit right. here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how much uh, does Jason deserve? I think that's that kind of how it. Two percent. Two percent. Two percent milk. That's me. No, more than that. I feel like this just turned into the roast. It's okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask, let's talk about... He's trying to come back with something. I know. (laughs) I can see the wheels turning. Um, Let's talk influences, Um, because you guys were trying to get Mm. that uh, old school sound, but also modernize it. And Seth, you said you had been out of the scene quite a while. I'm not sure, like, if you kept up with any of, like, the bands in the metal scene, if you still even listened to metal or not through that. So what were some of the influences for this record? Biggest influence... Beatles, oh. uh, Paul McCartney, <laughs> yeah. Wings. I, I definitely hear that. Um, definitely hear that on the remnant. So we did, just in case you really want to know a definitive list, we did put out a Spotify Influences playlist that you can check out. But good plug. Oh, yeah, you did. overall, right. you know, I, I do listen to metal still, but it's not like new metal bands. It's the bands that I have liked for quite a while now, you mm-hmm. know, and they're still active, you know. But um, that's where that's where Jason and Nate are much more uh, sort of uh, contemporary than I am. I mm-hmm. I'm still drawing on Extol and Opeth and Mastodon and, gotcha. and Rob Zombie, and they're like, "What about Gojira?" And I'm like, "Well, I've heard of Gojira, but I haven't really listened to their music." You know, um, mm-hmm. so th- those are the kind of conversations that we were sometimes having about about influences and and uh, and that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, you guys. I would say that uh, you know we share Seth, Seth and I and Duck share a lot of those same traditional influences. You know, bands like you mentioned, like Extol, Living Sacrifice, uh, Opeth. Um, Duck really, Duck's really into like more techie kind of stuff, like uh, Black Dahlia Murder, um, uh, R.I.P. Trevor, and um, he's really into. Rip. Uh, old between the buried and me stuff and things like that. And, you know, and I, I really had a phase where I went super, super hard into like dream theater and that kind of stuff and sort of tried to force that on Seth and other people, but that it didn't really take, uh, but I did have, a I did have uh, at least one guy in the band with me at one point who was super into that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so, but then I lately, like in the last couple of years or so, I've really been into, Gojira, I think they're just—I think they're just super good um, mm-hmm. music. So um, I know that it's really controversial in some circles to say that I like—I like the band Ghost. I think they're really rad. So sorry if this is on uh, for the rock radio. You might have to you have to bleep that Jason, out. Bleep we'll Jason's out name in the book of life. <laughs> yeah, you have to I heard he likes Ghost. <laughs> you have to bleep that part out. I'm not, uh, man. That's I, I can rant. Now. I can rant on that for so long. I put that in our. I put that in. You kind of did on our last podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I put that in the playlist. I put that in the playlist uh, that's on the influences playlist. We share the playlist, and of course, we get comments from some people who are like, "I can't believe that this is you would draw on these kind of bands," and I want to be like, "Man, just stop." You should go check out. Oh. 
It's spirit filled, but the wrong spirit. There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> the comment section. See, you're not supposed. When you're a band that has 700 million plays, like that band that nobody's ever heard of that Seth was talking about, you can't read the comment section. But when you're a band like us that has one one hundredth or one thousandth of those plays, the comment section is hilarious sometimes. Um, oh yeah. And, uh, just have to not take it personally, but there was a comment today on YouTube for our new music video. And I mean, I, I think the guy wrote a novel and it's just like, he was just picking apart all <laughs> he was picking apart what he deemed to be occult imagery in the song and in the video. I can promise you there was no effort <laughs> to put any sort of occult imagery in anything for the, anything. Um, and you heard it here actually, first, actually, he mentioned he mentioned the Earth Groans logo, and he said, you know, the occult imagery, and I'm like, it's it's a it's a dove, I think. That's the Trinity. With, um, it's the Trinity. Is it? It's the Trinity with it in a shape of a bird. That's but, what Jeremy told me. With okay, a dove. Yeah. There you go. But um, I so I just just responded back to his comment and just said this post this post is every or this reply is everything 100 like gave him a I gave him a 100 <laughs> like score because it's just I, I didn't. I did that for my personal account, Seth. Don't get mad at me. I didn't do it with a band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, my point is just like, then that's just... Bands should be influenced by the best music they can get their hands on. And maybe Agreed. maybe that's a maybe that's an elitist thing for, for us to say. Um, but I don't think anyone would ever accuse us of not being a little bit elitist and snobby with our musical tastes. Um when we, you know, we, we would, we would tour. we always were the guys who were like practicing before the show and like stuff like that. We, um, I think as we got older, we became yeah. a little bit, if you want to know of a hangout band, but early in the days we were like, duck was practicing his drums in the trailer and we were practicing our drums, which by the way, we're not the only band that was like that. August Burns Red did that and look where they got. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but so so here's the difference though. Like, uh, you know, if you want to know why we don't have 700 million plays <laughs> on our highest play, like like Beach House, who no one has ever heard of, um, it's because it's because we were elitist. You know, as Jason said earlier, we were classically trained, so we went to music school. You know, and we kind of knew music theory, and so we just thought we are objectively doing things that other bands are not. You know what I mean? There's there's a, there's a standard of musicality going on and becoming the archetype that is not going on <laughs> in these other boneheaded yeah. hardcore bands, and that's how we felt for like the first couple years. Yeah, yeah, yes. um, that's how we that felt. Is the at only the real time. At the time. Yeah, right. And of course, we don't feel that way anymore. But it did. We were just kind of socially awkward a little bit, and it just did not help for the first few years. And you know, we I are August still Burns, socially awkward. <laughs> yeah. As we covered August earlier. August Red was also serious about their music and practicing all the time, but they were much more adept at, like, connecting with other bands. And we were yeah. just like... They wore flip-flops. And they have a robot for a drummer. Yes. <laughs> true, yeah. yeah. And they wore flip-flops. You guys have a duck, and a duck like versus a robot. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to win. But, uh, no, I mean, that's... You know, um, that's totally valid in that... Um, one funny story about that that I'm sure was, is makes for good podcast fodder is we did our very first tour with Showbread, mm-hmm. and Seth can give me the details because I remember like big picture but never the details usually. Um, we 
came out as the opening band and what were there like five bands on the tour? It was pretty packed at one point. And I think we were playing like a 45 minute set yep. or something. And that's a big no, no for the opening band, especially an opening band. Nobody knows at the time, which nobody knew us. A, we didn't have a record out yet. We hadn't even no, we didn't have a record. our record yet. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. And, and we're so- playing like 45 minutes, but that was only like six or seven songs because our songs were uber long. Yeah. And we were just like, we were just like, well, we can't cut any of these songs. But they come up to us after a show or two, and they're like, "Hey, this you're the opening band. This is not cool." Um, which they <laughs> were like, move t- us up a couple. That's a hundred percent right, and I, it drives me crazy now when I go see bands opening and they play for more. Like, no opening band should be playing for more than like five songs. But we, our songs were long, and so we were like, "Well." Whatever. So we, I think we just kept playing them. <laughs> yeah, we and did the whole, the whole tour. We played like 40-minute sets, and we were supposed to be playing like 20 minutes. Oh, and my I gosh. Think it, I think it annoyed yeah. everybody. We were just really You guys could have split it in half. And that's and why Showbread had long solid state and went to tooth and nip. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so we were... Mark it we, down. We were talking earlier about the origins of the band, right, and how we got signed uh-huh. and Ryan Clark and all that. I will say it's a really unique thing. Uh, you know, if it weren't for Ryan Clark, there would have never been a becoming the archetype. You know, if Ryan Clark doesn't happen to walk by the the the, the cornerstone tent at the yeah, right moment the on the right day, so this so this is a, a, you know at the time the band's called the Remnant. Jason's right. lost his voice. It's cornerstone. Uh, the band's playing impromptu stage. Impromptu stage. Ryan Ryan walks oh, by wow. and hears something. He likes it. He stops in. And then has a conversation with the man, and we end up signing uh, late 2004. But if that doesn't happen, literally, and we changed our name at the signing because there was another punk band called The Remnants, you may remember. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, there's just a band called The Remnant that plays like a few shows in Georgia every year, and then disbands. Like that, we had never toured. We had never really, you know what I mean? Like there, there wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. So when we go on that tour with Showbread, we had just signed a solid state, but we also, it was our first tour ever. Like, we didn't know tour etiquette. We didn't know anything. Right. Like, it's, we didn't even have a trailer to like tour with or equipment sets. to do or, like, merch right. to sell. Like, we had, we, oh, like, wow. misspent all of our money. It was on appropriate things, but, like, the label just assumed we had that infrastructure built. Um, and no other band sort of has that sort of, like, lack of experience. And we were, like, 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, I was 19 when we headed out on wow. our first tour. You know what I mean? Like, I turned 20 on the road. I mean, it, we were just young. We had no idea what we were doing, and, and we didn't have a manager. So he didn't really have a didn't cell have phone either. Yeah, we didn't have cell Man, the craziest <laughs> thing is, back then? we used to, when we toured, <laughs> we would use a Rand McNally atlas. You guys know those atlases of, like, with the maps and everything? Mm-hmm. So we would use that to get, like, into the general vicinity then we would stop at a payphone and call the promoter, which we had printed out, <laughs> and say, like, okay, we're at the corner of 49th and Main. How do we get to the venue? And they would answer, and we would have to, like, write down the directions and drive to the venue. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We were too cool for MapQuest. I was just going to say, you guys didn't print out the MapQuest? We did. We actually did try that a little bit, but then it, it gets weird once you like if you miss a single turn or you're coming That's from true, a different yeah. direction, then it's all messed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. That's awesome. That's cool. I never knew. I never knew you guys were discovered by Ryan. That's really cool. 
Yeah. And, and at the time, so here's another thing. He had never signed anyone before. He wasn't an A&R guy. He was in the art department. So he was in Demon Hunter, and he did right. art for the label, mm-hmm. and he did art with his brother Don. So, like, when he hears the band, he goes, okay, uh, you know, Brandon, I'd like to sign this band. You know, and he, he kind of doesn't, you know, he has to navigate this whole new thing. Like, it was like a brand new enterprise for everyone involved, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like Jason said earlier, we benefited massively because A&R guys don't draw a sick band logo, you know, for the bands <laughs> right. they signed, you know. Uh, uh-huh. So that we got some really unique benefits from that whole thing. So, you know, if, if, if you appreciate becoming the archetype's existence, you should thank Ryan Clark. Yeah, and he's on the new album. He has a guest, a guest vocal, yes. which is sort of a, yes. a, a little bit of a tradition. He's not been on every bta record but he's been on the ones we mentioned earlier that were sort of our mm-hmm. capstone albums if you want to say it that way he's on the first record uh terminate damnation he's on the third record dichotomy and now he's on the sixth record um children of the great extinction we haven't actually mentioned yes that. children of the great yeah. extinction <laughs> is the name of the record and uh and yeah so i mean it's it's a it's a cool and what's I think what's so neat about all that is that when we when we signed with Solid State and we and we didn't know anything like we've mentioned multiple times um the label the label was just so cool to to give us these opportunities and put us in front of people whereas now to put to put a band in front of people is harder than it used to be which is weird but like I can remember you could go to the local Christian bookstore and go to where they had like the alternative music. And there would be like our album, which I believe if, I mean, people told me I sound like Donald Trump. I didn't say this, but people told me they say this, but I, I think (laughs) I, 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 I never, I never saw our record. I never saw our record in a Christian bookstore, uh, terminate damnation. But Seth, do you remember people saying that they put a sticker over the cover because it was too scary. I got that. About I've that. got it here. Because it said damnation. You have, you have those? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it also yeah, said damnation. damnation. <laughs> Did they cover it with the thank you for buying Christian music sticker? Yeah, yeah exactly. No. For fans, of, for fans of Slipknot. <laughs> well, the reality is, yeah, you could go to the store and there'd be like nine bands to choose from in that section. And that was it. There were. Um, and then, and then our music started taking off a little bit more, and we would go, uh, we could go find our albums in Best Buy. Um, yep. mm. And I think I even, I think I even had a video of Celestial Completion going to Best Buy that I posted on YouTube or something. And we would like take our albums and we would put them on the end cap uh, in front, like, yeah. <laughs> where they weren't supposed to be. Um, you know, and every time I, I went that. into a music store, I'd do that. I'd find our albums and put them on at least at the front of the row so that they're visible right. as yeah, you walk yeah. by. So, uh, you know, it was, I guess what I'm saying is I'm really grateful for all those opportunities that we had. And yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So we just mentioned the name of the record for the first time about 45 minutes in Children of the Great Extinction. <laughs> Extinction, I can't talk. Let's talk about the record. Let's talk about like, the name, the concept, lyric themes. Uh, what can you guys tell us about that? It is epic. I concur. 
that, that, that <laughs> so, is true. Okay, so Jason, Jason came up with this with this idea, and our process has always been: you write the riffs, as Jason said, we're riff oriented band. You write right. the riffs, mm-hmm. and then Jason writes the vocals, and we might format the riffs and the structure of the song around the vocals. You know how many times you play the riff, et cetera, et cetera. But he, Jason, is when he's in the band, he's always wrote, written the vocals. So, you know, I've never written any lyrics. On, on any of the albums that Jason's on, he always writes the lyrics fully and uh, and then places his, his vocals, the screaming vocals, where he wants and how he wants and all that kind of stuff. So that's like Jason's domain. So all of this is like in his wheelhouse here. Yeah. And uh, and that, that largely uh, came from my own insecurity, I think, probably at the beginning. <clears throat> and then I just sort of, everyone got used to it. So... That works really well. But I like starting out, I feel like I was so self-conscious about not wanting, uh, you know, not wanting people to hear uh, hear my vocals and things until it was all finished because I had these ideas in my head for what it was going to be. Um, and I didn't know how to communicate it very well. But I feel like by the time we get to Dichotomy and then to Celestial Completion, and then really with this record, I feel like I had found a more mature place to create ideas to you know make it work with the music and with everyone and to share ideas and like seth like seth mentioned at the very beginning like he did some of the backing vocals the harmonies and other stuff um on this record and um you know celestial completion was one of the first records where we sort of like sat in the van together and worked on vocal parts and um like i said a lot of that really probably wasn't even possible because i would have just i would have just given up or been too embarrassed to try that stuff on the first record or two um devin devin probably had a uh, not probably devin definitely had a huge part in that um encouraging us to try things encouraging us to to do things that we hadn't done you know um devin is 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 a musical genius but i think part of that is because he's willing to do things that other people uh just might think are out of reach and he just goes for it Mm -hmm. so with celestial completion we definitely went for it more with this record i feel like lyrically i wanted to go to a a higher place than i'd ever gone so this record is from the beginning to the end it's one continuous narrative story uh which i've never done before i've had several people send me messages and say oh well i thought physics fire was a concept album and i'm like well it has four songs that tie together, but they're not even in order. Um, you know, we have <laughs> yeah. to piece, we have to be, which is funny because some people have written me back and they've told me that they actually, that was one of their favorite things. It felt like it was a puzzle. Like they had to put the songs in order. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah, that's what we were going for. <laughs> we were, <laughs> we're that, we're that puzzle band. We're the puzzle, <laughs> the band with the puzzles in their songs. Um, but yeah, so with this record, we really went to another a new place. I think also, you know, having worked with Nate um, Washburn, who's not like a metal, not necessarily a traditional metal dude. He plays in the band My Epic, which is not a metal band. Um, and Seth comes from band, uh, Seth comes Seth Seth and I both love metal, but Seth comes from you know maybe more of like a more of an indie rock kind of place a lot of times with with music and stuff. Um, so I think him and Nate being able to work together on some ideas and then, you know, pitching vocal lights. Like I, Seth and I have talked about this, but some of the, there are things that people haven't heard yet in the singles 
but you guys have heard, if you've heard the record, like there are deep cuts where there's some really, really interesting clean vocal things that happen that Seth and I, Seth and I came up with, um, a lot of it, Seth came up with it, just sent it to him and he would send it back. And we were like, okay, that's cool. We should do that. But they're almost like choir vocal ideas. That's where Seth and I met was singing in the choir, uh, in college. So, um, so yeah, again, that's, uh, it's just a little bit of what, of what makes our band different in our minds, you know, mm. our influences are, not, our influences aren't necessarily like, Oh yeah. Like which band has the sickest, you know, breakdown. It's we're, we're like, well, you know, remember when we were in choir class, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's, let's do that on a song. And, and I think that's really cool. Uh, I mean, to me, it's like a lot of my favorite bands do that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I wanted to just point out that the new single that just came out, The Remnant, uh, your new music video and stuff, that dropped today as a recording. Um, that song, after listening to the album again today, I'm like, that's, I think that's my favorite song awesome. on the album. I would probably um, not say necessarily that it's yeah. the best song, just so other people have some options here. But yeah. uh, the between the riff and then what you guys do vocally, like working together on that song, it's mm-hmm. top notch. Mm-hmm. I really Man, do you guys one. like I'd on the music say... video how much my mustache is prominently displayed? It like kind of like punches you <laughs> in the eyeballs, you know? I was pretty <laughs> proud of that. Yes. I, I, I showed That's my wife. Great. I was watching it through on the final cut, and she saw that scene, and she just laughed and walked away. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, thank God it wasn't filmed in 3D. <laughs> Just like trying to tour it. was it? You got a little <laughs> Brussels. Or was it? Uh, if you feel something tickling your face or your soul, it might be my mustache. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. Um, and then from the other side, it's Jason's beard. There you go. Yeah, but see, Duck's, Duck's, Duck's got a huge beard, so I'm. Yeah. That's that's always been the... That's the funny thing is like, so in BTA, uh, you know, when we do photo shoots and stuff, I didn't ever really, I would usually cut my beard a little shorter even than this sometimes because Duck was the guy with the big beard. Um, and then when Duck would leave the band, I would. So you couldn't win on the when hair Duck or would the leave beard. the band. I felt like an obligation to grow my beard longer. And then Duck would come back and it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, so. <laughs> It's a fluctuating thing, but we had a mascot. I don't know if you're familiar with the mascot uh, named Clifton, the bearded skull. And um, oh, right, yes, and yes. I really do feel like we should have copyrighted getting Ryan. To, Ryan made it. Should have gotten Ryan to copyright that mm. because at the time I had never seen anything like it in the you know late 2000s. Right. I guess it was right. You know. And yeah. now, mm-hmm. now I like everywhere I go, I see random, like, you know, tree companies that cut down trees and it'll be like a skull with a beard and two axes behind yeah. it or, you know, yeah, facial, yeah. facial yeah. cream, you know, or b- yeah. mustache yeah. oil. It's got a skull with a beard. Mastodon mm-hmm. did a mm-hmm. uh, shirt or something not that long ago that had a beard. With a sk- and I was just like, man, you got to change it up. Uh, put put Seth's mustache on it instead. That's not a- Yeah. Okay, we did a tour, so the Beard Skull comes <laughs> from a hair trilogy tour that we did. We did three tours in a row that were hair-themed, 
and that was the first one. We called it Bring Your Own Beard. So you might be familiar with BYOB, Bring Your Own Beer, like to a party. We did yeah. Bring Your Own Beard, and that's where the beard skull was made for that tour. So all the all the Christian parents wouldn't let their kids come to the tour because they thought no, they, they came. Was a joke about alcohol. Were, yeah, no, it's because um, the Christian kids <laughs> couldn't grow a beard. <laughs> there you go. But then the second tour... No, but they thought it was beer. The second tour we did was called Born with a Mustache, and it was a little kid with a giant, like, caterpillar mustache. So, uh... <laughs> was so the third one the bowl, the bowl cut, right? The Bring Your Own Bowl Cut tour? Bring Your Own Bowl Cut, yeah. That's amazing. Bowl cuts are coming back, you know, uh, you, apparently from Stranger Things. Did you guys actually have them? No. Oh, man. <laughs> bring oh, yeah. your own. Not bring our <laughs> own. Uh, right. We bring... Hey, we uh, bring what we bring. There's just one kid who takes it seriously, and they're like, "Why doesn't he?" Wasn't even there one kid? Was there one kid who let you do bowl cut? Who did a bowl cut? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so bad just one him. kid. <laughs> I'm yeah. so sorry if you're listening to this, and that was you. <laughs> no, that person's a that person is a legend. Do you have anything to say to them? We're so sorry Thank that you, you were our fan. For... <laughs> hey. Hey, I want to I want to give you guys a heads up that my battery on, com- on my computer is about to die, so I'm actually going to join on my phone. Jason, why don't you why don't you speak about the lyrics a little bit? The theme I did a little bit about the theme and the, how they tie together, mm. um, and it's a concept album. But what is the concept? But um, the concept I can't tell you too much about the concept, or I'd have to kill you. Um, I'm okay with that. I need people to. I need people. Uh, I, I need people to want to know, which is which is actually something that is encouraging. I've had several people tell me that they've listened to the singles and they're like, "Okay, now I'm really intrigued because I don't know what is happening in the story, mm-hmm. but there's a they're getting little pieces of the story." And so I'm hoping that you know, in the year 2022, we can still challenge people to sit and listen to an hour long record. And go on the full so journey. Go on the go on the full. Yeah, I mean the hour long listens don't necessarily get you the big Spotify numbers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but they do translate into some really cool moments with people, and I think that's what BTA is all about. So, hey, that's a cool story. If we have time for a short story, uh, absolutely. Speaking of listening sessions and dichotomy. Yes. Uh, Jason and I, we couldn't do CD release shows when Dichotomy first came out. Like, you normally, you know, your album comes out, on, it used to be on a Tuesday, now it's a Friday. That's the difference between now and then. And your <laughs> album came on Tuesday, so you do like some CD release shows the weekend before and the weekend after. And they were like, you know, you could maybe get the CD with admittance to the show and it might cost a little more, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Well, we couldn't do any for Dichotomy because I forget one of, one of the guys wasn't available to play shows. So Jason and I literally went to like a handful of places in the South that we had big followings at and just showed up and like would play the album and talk about it almost like a Q and a forum sort of thing. And then he and I played like two or three songs just on acoustic guitar and bass, no drums. I don't think he did vocals. Um, And we just played the songs uh, like a duo, like a jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Easy listening (laughs) jazz. And we, and we did like these like hangout sessions and it actually worked out. Okay. Yeah. There's this a random old guy who walks in. They're like, "Oh, this sounds lovely. This acoustic music. (laughs) You have an album." And he puts it in. (laughs) Totally, totally. But uh, yeah, so lyrically, it's um, it's a science fiction theme. If that's not obvious to people who've heard the 
the singles. Mm-hmm. Um, drawing... Is it based on aliens? Uh, no, no. It's not based on aliens. <laughs> I got the vibe from the artwork. No, well, so it's. I would say it's it's largely based on uh, you know the C.S. Lewis space trilogy, which is something that's sort of been there in other BTA I'm records. Reading that right now, like Dichotomy, it's, it was there, but it wasn't really a full concept in that one. That record had m- multiple influences, but this one's more like drawing on that, but also just trying to create something myself and to challenge people. Um, so I would say there's all sorts of themes that have to do with, um, you know, existential terror and, and threats and anxiety and, uh, you know, seeking after things that, uh, that lead that we think are going to be wonderful, but ultimately lead to disaster and, um, just all sorts of that stuff woven in that I hope people will, you know, sort of dig out and yeah, it's meant to be challenging. So I don't want to give it all away. Okay. Um, cool. but yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of, proud of it lyrically, probably my greatest lyrical accomplishment. And I started writing those lyrics, I, I believe even back before COVID happened, oh, wow. um, or just, just more or less right at the, at the beginning of the COVID, uh, thing. So then they didn't get put into the songs until a year later. So mm-hmm. had a lot of time to marinate mm-hmm. on those ideas. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you guys for coming on. Uh, It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, totally. Chris, any final words? Go buy the new BTA album because they're back. They're better than ever. And it's space. So what's not to like? BTA is becoming the archetype. August 26th, the last Friday of August, right before you go back to school, all you dweebs. What? (laughs) Everybody, everybody. Man, everybody Everybody listening to this has graduated long ago. No, no, no. they're on their fourth degree now. They're they're like thirty-seven, like getting their master's bachelor degree or their second master's. The only way to get an intro master's at seminary. I actually have to get up extra early in the morning to start a teaching job. Uh, So, um, oh wow, we're going back to school. We're going back to school next week. We appreciate it. So you're going to teach those kids what good music is and. You're a listening no, party to your new album. No, <laughs> no, it's so embarrassing when I go. When, man, I, I don't know if I should be flattered or embarrassed that there are people that. So I told you about how I look at the YouTube comments, and I'm not supposed to, but there are some YouTube comments on death therapy videos that say things like, "This guy was my substitute teacher today. How cool is that?" <laughs> It's just like, oh no, that's so embarrassing. Um, yeah. So. What are you embarrassed about? My music. <laughs> it's. Are you embarrassed about Seth's music it, too? No, Seth's music is wonderful. So. <laughs> wow! Thank you guys for joining right, us. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for real. Well, everybody, that is the end of another episode of the Kingdom Core podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Jason and Seth for coming on and talking of the new Becoming the Archetype record, Children of the Great Extinction, out August 26th. Go pre-order. Go check it out. Uh, We've heard it like we were talking about in the podcast. It's an amazing album. You guys won't be disappointed. Thank you to Solid State Records. And uh, you, our community, a special 
huge shout out to our Patreon supporters or our core givers on Patreon, Steve Mikulowski, Anthony Kuchma, Tiffany Cadenhead, Aaron Peter, Jonathan Lyman, Frankie Blocker, and the Dead Petal Coffee Company. Thank you to all of you for your support. As of filming this ending right now, Sean and his wife Amy have just finished moving across the country uh, to Indiana, and they are getting settled into their new place. It looks amazing, and uh, I can't wait to chat with him further, but he's going to be kind of a little busy for the for the next couple weeks or so, so it's going to be a little bit of a summer break here to finish it off. Uh, 20 episodes, one year of the Kingdom Core podcast. It's been an absolutely amazing run. We have felt the love and support from you guys all along the way. So thank you. Thank you very much. Also, a quick little shout out. Thank you uh, to all the support from you guys who follow my project, Refiner. It is official. We had to bleep it out in the last podcast uh, with Your Hands Right History, but Refiner has signed to Rottweiler Records. It was big (laughs) news, big surprise. I was waiting and waiting for it to happen. And of course, it was the day after we dropped that podcast, it was announced. So thank you for all the love and support. You can go follow that project at Refiner Metal on uh, Facebook, Instagram, search it up on Spotify or Apple Music, your favorite streaming services. Check out the, the music videos here on the YouTube channel if you're watching the video version of this podcast. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to release more with that. So that's everything. Thank you very much for all the support from each and every one of you. And yeah, before I keep rambling on and going on and on and on with all the thanks and praise, peace, God bless, and we will see you shortly for more of the Kingdom Core podcast. What's up, guys? We're coming out with a new album in August. And it's coming up this August, and I'm Count Seth, and I'm living in Madison, Wisconsin, and I was born 37 years ago, and Becoming the Archetype was signed um, 18 years ago, and we are back from the dead. We are in a reunion, a resurrection, if you will, and this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened in any of our pathetic lives, and we're really excited to share this with you, and the new album's coming out. You should listen to it because we're very excited and proud of it, and we're excited to do this interview. Are you ready? We're not. Let's go.